crossroads Something's got to come my way Soon, anytime, any day Life is for living It's not a complicated game Hey, we can ride the road again So let me see you rise Let me see the light in your eyes Bring your love to me This is how we This is podcast 232, and it is entitled On the Road to Love, uh, riffing from the song you've just heard by Justin Hayward on his uh, later uh, album, Spirits Live. No, I lie. No, I lie. Spirits of the Western Sky. It's Justin Hayward's um, uh, solo album. And On the Road to Love is just another obvious connector to what people feel and think, or at least I, for one, 
in which the um, inspired um, songwriter has and performer has um, uh, decided to speak about real things. And this is uh, the second, actually the third in a series of casts on the um, the remarkable and um, dispiriting and enervating and finally um, uh, heavily consequences burdened um, fact that the mainstream churches are, for the most part today, hiding their light under a bushel and speaking of passing away issues, issues that are transient, albeit important in the present, but transient, and or tertiary matters, these endless feckless announcements that you hear when you go to church about activities that mean nothing, that mean absolutely nothing, or certainly nothing to you as a, as a person in pain. I'm not just saying a visitor. I'm talking about anybody who comes. And I'm trying to uh, diagnose the hearer, both the person who comes to church regularly and the person who might possibly reach out to the church outside of some form of insuperable experience and empirical pain and stress and circumstance of defeat in this. And you get there and you hear nothing that is powerful and important. Uh, the trash is being collected outside my window right now, so you may hear the pincers uh, of the truck picking up the trash can. Now, I want to say that, um, as I said before, that when the church fails you... Because you have an undeniable need, you're going to go somewhere else. You're going to be drawn to Buddhism. You're going to be drawn to a Hindu view of life. You're going to be drawn, and in our day and age, so many people I know are drawn to the political, as as if that is somehow salvific and ultimate, and it's not, whether you're left, right, or center, and very few people are center right now. uh, It won't um, provide that which... uh, the hope uh, which you bring to it. So I've uh, talked about this, and I want to say uh, in this search for some kind of meaning, the Moody Blues have really got to something in Justin Hayward because they are talking about romantic love. Now, let me just say something about analogy. What we've been taught, what we're, what we're losing in our sermons, what we're not getting, and I never, the entire time I was in Germany, basically for three years, effectively, three years in Germany and Switzerland, I never once heard a sermon in a Protestant church, and I heard many, 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 many of Deutsch that had one single illustration, let alone a single illustration from the heart and the wounded viscera of the preacher, not a single time. But today I go and I listen to sermons and I never hear a single illustration. It used to be that at least you'd hear something from a Barclay commentary, William Barclay commentary. It was usually only half true, if that. Um, But uh, I almost never hear an illustration. And if I do, it's been canned because the preacher is not reaching inside herself and himself for some form of empathy and resonance with the text by which he or she can can develop an understanding of the healing properties of, of what you're doing in church on a Sunday that might actually speak to someone else. So you're, you, you, I was with somebody the other day and, and he was saying, oh, you know, we finally heard a good sermon from the assistant. The assistant spoke really well. It was wonderful. And I said to the wife, I said, well, what did you think? And she said, I don't remember it. <laughs> you know, you'll remember it if it speaks to you. Now, let me say just a little bit about analogy and then a little bit about the Moody Blues. We used to say that romantic love is an analogy for the love of God. In other words, when you love someone romantic, You'll do anything for them. You become entirely altruistic. You completely get out of yourself. And you also see them as they actually are not. Empirically, you bring to the relationship. They're beautiful. But when later on, somebody else may look at a photograph of them and they appear plain. 
Remember The Enchanted Cottage, that wonderful movie in the 40s with, uh, what is it, McGuire, uh, Dorothy McGuire and Robert Young, in which two very um, uh, deeply, rather misshapen by life, shall I say, uh, one plain Jane woman and a, a, a war veteran, I think he is, if I'm not mistaken, he's blind. But they bring to their relationship these two people, one blind and one, quote, not pretty, and they fall completely in love, and you see it, the cinematography is such that when they're together, they, they, um, they're, uh, there's love. I mean, I mean they, they change. He, he can see, and she becomes beautiful. It's a very powerful picture. It's called imputation, but that's what we look for. So we used to say that, well, what happens in romantic love is a kind of way of getting on board with the way that God loves us. Now, um, if you want to understand how God loves us, think of how you love someone with whom you are really in love. Think of the lengths to which you are willing to go, and think of the way you see that person, often very much uh, not through a glass darkly, but completely uh, through, 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 through a lens that uh, they can do no wrong and have no wrong and not a blemish. And that's very powerful and very true. I would say now, because I've heard so many uh, hollow messages, hollow either because they were about transient passing away things. I mean, people that feel they have to preach, um, you know, after some terrible event in the nation, national consciousness about that issue on its own terms. I mean, we hear enough of that. We hear enough ignorance out there of competing forms of ignorance about this or that. We want to hear something that is transcendent and beyond that will get us deeper than that. The same would be true in a, in a hurricane, although a hurricane, the mainstream churches generally do very well in hurricanes, and I'll say that uh, with with uh, feeling. I mean, I've been through them. I've lived, I've lived that life heavily. I've lived through Hurricane Hugo, and I wish I were there to help in Harvey. But what I'm trying to say is in actual fact, um, Romantic love is not an analogy for the love of God. The love of God is an analogy coming from romantic love. Now, don't misunderstand. That sounds very unbartian. Let me repeat it. If you want to know about the love of God, study the love of man and woman. Study romantic love. Rather than saying, if you want to know uh, about... um, about really love between you and her, study how God loves you. Well, I understand that. The two are very intimately related. But unfortunately, to talk about the love of God as such often sounds like out there. It often sounds conceptual. So many, great many sermons are basically sort of trying to get my head in alignment with what is ultimately true in eternity. In other words, if you could only understand better that Christ laid down his life for you, if you could only understand uh, more profoundly now this great fact from 2,000 years ago, and I accept that, I believe it, but that's in fact the wrong-headed way to do it. You you learn about eternal things from romantic love, and that's why the Moody Blues are really on to something. You know, they're considered the group you love to hate. I mean, rock and roll critics freak out when it comes to the Moody Blues. They freak out because it's they consider lame, pseudo-mystical. Well, yes, 25% of what the Moody Blues are about is kind of lame. I mean, I've listened to a lot of it over the years, and I've listened to it for many, 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 many years. And um, a lot of it's sort of lame. I mean, those voiceovers on Days of Future Past, although although Tuesday Afternoon, you couldn't get a better song. I mean, could you get a better song than Tuesday Afternoon at every level? I'll play it for you on a future podcast, the live version. My gosh. Well, um, the reality is if you... what the why we uh, are get more out of the Moody Blues than a thousand sermons, or more out of Dombey and Son than a hundred other liturgies, a hundred Holy Eucharists, which have become rote rather than meaningful and deep and powerful and profound, and love fests and Lord's suppers, 
why we get more out of a movie. You know, uh, in our day, it was Ordinary People or uh, the, the, that one movie with Shirley MacLaine, remember, and Deborah Winger. I always forget, you know what I'm talking about. Amazing movie. We get more out of that. It reaches us in a way that a thousand sermons don't because, in fact, we, we learn about ultimate love in the love between a man and a woman and a woman and a man. That's where we learn about ultimate love. Uh, that's where the, the that's where it really hits. And that's why, you know, at its best, uh, Tannhäuser's uh, conclusion by Wagner is uh, very profound. It's extremely profound. He is saved, but just, just. And he's one who's sort of tried to break out of the spell, you know, of the female as he feels it, which is very true. And so I'm saying this. Now, I had a case. I spoke recently at a parish in southern New England, and um, I, I preached, and I got a terrible reception. I mean, it's the worst reception I've almost ever gotten, and I've gotten a couple of bad receptions. And I wasn't talking about anything remotely in the newspapers, not remotely political or current. I was talking about, I talked about families that might have one grown or adult child who was lost, deeply, deeply lost in the agony of that. And I talked about some of the dynamics of a second marriage. Now, I'm not in a second marriage, but I know many people who are. And at least half my listeners where I preached, I, I was told this by the rector with, with knowledge, are on second marriages, at least half. And uh, uh, it was as if I'd l- l- laid a humongous egg because I simply talked about some of the dynamics that are sometimes involved in loving someone whom, for whom you left your husband or for whom you left your wife. And some of the dynamics, especially vis-a-vis the past that come in and wedding rehearsals involving children when you've left the mother of or the father of my gosh or I also talked about men in their mid-career who lose their jobs it is absolutely the case that perhaps something close to a majority of gifted men who remember tie their hearts in a kind of way that that is really quite transferential to their professional success or how they are regarded professionally. Many, many men in their late 40s or early 50s lose their position due to a lack of political forethought. I'm not talking about moral errors or robbing the till or or, um, sexual harassment. I'm talking about abuse. I'm talking about people who lose their jobs through a lack of foresight, a lack of political savvy, a lack of experience, being crushed between a controlling bishop and um, uh, a, 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 um, a negative vestry, uh, being caught between different stressful compounds that are attacking you on all sides and not really having the long view to sort of give way in some respects and yet others, and yet sometimes you feel you have to make a stand about this or that of a situation in your work and, and it, if you make it even if it's of God, as it were of of God. I was, that's a quote from Archbishop Michael Ramsey. Even if it's of God, you may well um, be caught in a situation which in which you have to resign, and you may never ever find a job at an equal level of interest or authority. Ever, ever, ever. People who pass their entire fifties and sixties, and I'm talking as one, by the way. I'm talking as one. I I'm not saying this in a vacuum, um, but I I certainly knew about it in Scarborough, um, Westchester County, and I certainly knew about it in uh, Birmingham, um, but I uh, never thought in a million years it would happen to me, but it did. And then, you know, you are in a sense unemployable, in a sense, uh, certainly vis-a-vis the normal uh, food chain. And this is uh, this is something which you need to talk about. And again, I talked about it just briefly at my Southern New England preaching, and boy, I laid an egg of all time. Well, I'm going to finish by saying then two things. The um, real analogy to understand God, if you look at how you love your wife or partner or friend or girlfriend or boyfriend, husband, whatever, 
whatever you want to say. Look at the dynamics of that relationship, past, present, and supposed anxious future, and you will learn about God because you'll know what you really need. You'll know the power of love. You know, Huey Lewis in the News, the great song. You'll know about the power of love, and you'll also know about the power of uh, the, the negative implications of aloneness, betrayal, rejection, and uh, profound hurt. I, I talked to somebody recently, and I said, how can you be married to this guy? I, can, I actually didn't say it. I thought it. I wanted to take this woman aside and say, how can you be married to this guy? I mean, he's unbelievably difficult. Not a bad guy, very nice guy, but the sheer level of, of, of talk, I mean, just like a, like a smothered like a Derek DQ, so, you know, an ice. I'm smothered in ice cream. I'm smothered. But a lot of women get smothered. How do they do it? How do they do it with a smothering male? But it, it can be a smothering female too. We all know. So that's uh, my point. Analogy really stretches from from uh, the ground up rather than from the top down. That's my experience of life and pastoral care. And um, the uh, resources like the Moody Blues prepare you to understand understand what's really going on. And with that in mind, we're going to l- listen to a relatively extended um, uh, live recording of Justin Hayward singing It's Up to You, segueing immediately into uh, Lovely to See You Again, My Friend. And I love the way he talks, he uses friend. You know, I whenever a widow tells me, oh, I've lost my best friend, I just want to gag. I say, oh, I hope, he'd, he'd, hope he's not listening to you now. No man wants to be thought of as his lover's best friend. I don't care even if he is your best friend. In a sense she did lose her best friend. And I'm Mary's best friend. But do, do I want to be told by her that I'm her best friend? I mean, gag me with a spoon. It's uh, it's like when she told you when you were 14 well, you know, I really like you as a friend but I could, I could never be your girlfriend. I mean, what was the worst thing as a young man you ever heard? What was the worst thing you ever heard? It was that. So when I hear, you know, my friend talking about the one I love in the romantic sense, I just want to absolutely blow, what is it, chunks, spew chunks. I mean, it's the end of the line. Um, But um, Hayward makes it sound really great. He talks about my friend in a way that feels extremely romantic and wonderful. Thank you very much. I love you. Trying to be free 
lovely to see you again, my friend. 